Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Last week, Pastor Andreas ministered a prophetic message into the life of this fellowship. God had given him a couple of visions, and I want to not necessarily reiterate those visions to, do, to you, but I do want to say that if you were not here last week, make the effort to go and listen to that message again. But it had to do with the state of the fellowship, and with the state of the fellowship being one of hiding in the shadows, hiding in the trenches, the state of Gideon, Gideon who was hiding in a wine press trying to thresh wheat. And when the Lord came to him and said, Oh, Gideon, you mighty man of valor, Gideon could almost not, even, well, not he could, almost not, he couldn't receive that word from God because his own view of himself, of the situation, was so far from God's word, was so far from God's perspective, which is why he was sitting in a winepress threshing wheat. And so here's my question as I've been considering and what to ponder on this week. How do we begin stepping out from the shadows? Pastor Andreas mentioned last week the help of the Holy Spirit, and we can minister more on that in the weeks that lie ahead. Absolutely, He is our guide. But where I want to focus this morning, very simply and very clearly with many scriptures that I will give you this morning, starting with Psalm 119, verse 1 and 5, which says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word, O Lord, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In other words, your word will show me the way out. Your word will show me the right way of thinking. Your word, what you have to say, will give me the light and the revelation and the understanding that I need to get out of this way of thinking which causes the predicament or the situation that I am in. As I was praying, I... I was blessed again with the revelation of just what a great and, and fearful privilege I have of standing here on a Sunday morning at the pulpit sharing the Word of God with you. The Word of God has the power to bring salvation to those who believe, to bring everlasting life, to transfer a soul out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of the Son of God's love. It has the ability to set people free from oppression, from addiction, from depression. It has the power to bring provision. It has the power to usher in healing. It has the power to embolden and empower the hearts and minds of people by the truth that it contains. And I get to speak these words, words of life. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says that the Word of God, I'm reading from the Amplified Bibles, <coughs> the Word of God is living and active and full of power. Say power. Making it operative. So power has to do something. Wouldn't you agree? Amen? It's not just informative. It is operative. Energizing and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the division of the soul and spirit. The completeness of a person 
and of both joints and marrow, the deepest parts of our nature. In other words, what they're saying here, it's not trying to, to, to separate them from each other, but in this whole that you and I are of spirit and soul and body, it will be able to discern clearly what is of you, what is of the Lord, what is of the enemy, what is a lie and what is truth. And will be able to expose and judge the very thoughts and intentions of the heart. That is what the Word of God has the power to do. Maybe that's why sometimes it's so uncomfortable. Because it gets down right and it confr- right into the nitty-gritty and confronts us with the truth of what's really going down in our hearts and lives. The reason that we live so far below our spiritual potential is because, folks, we are largely ignorant of it. If one were to look at the life of Gideon, this was his situation. Ignorant of how God saw him. If you look at when God starts speaking to Moses, Moses himself doubts, no, 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 not me, this can't be. Ignorant of the call of God or the plans that God, that God has for him and what he wants to do through him. We've not, and the reason for this is, despite many of us, sitting in church and hearing sermons again and again, listening to podcasts, watching YouTube videos, we fill our heads with good information, but yet fail to internalize or personalize it through personal application. We've not allowed the Word of God to do its work deep down in those recesses where it says that it's so powerful to to work in those deep parts. And James speaks to this about, it speaks to us about this. Again from the Amplified, James 1.22, he says, Prove yourselves doers of the word. I like that. Oh, what version have you got there? Is that the Amplified? But be doers of the word. Is that the classic? I'm not reading the classic. I'm reading the modernized version, Siobhan. Let me read you mine. It says, but prove yourselves doers of the word. And the reason I prefer my my version is that word prove. Prove. Prove it. Prove it. Put your money where your mouth is. You've heard people say that, right? Are you willing to stick your neck out and believe it? Are you willing to act on what you say you believe about God? Prove yourselves doers of the word actively and continually obeying God's precepts. And not merely listeners who hear the word, but fail to internalize its meaning, deluding yourselves by unsound reasoning contrary to the truth. Deluding yourself. I remember a story I saw many years ago about a pastor who had a friend who was also a minister of a large church, And his friend ended up having an affair. He cheated on his wife. Lost his marriage. Lost his church. And his friend, also a pastor, went to him and who loved him, went to him and said, what happened, man? You're a pastor, for goodness sake, you know better. What what happened? What was going on? How on earth did you let it get to that place? And his friend said, this is what happened. I got so busy doing this for the people. Working with the Word to preach on a Sunday. 
working with the Word so that I can do what needs to be done or look good. Whereas what I should have been doing is this. And folks, you and I can do exactly the same thing. This is speaking about a pastor. But you and I can do exactly the same thing. You know when we do this? We do this when, when we sit in an auditorium and we hear a word, and in our minds we're going, yeah, that word's for them. Oh, jeez, I'm glad Craig is here this morning. He needs to hear this. Whereas instead of taking this word and allowing us to look at our lives according to this word as we would a mirror so that we can see our true reflection in it. The scary thing about this verse of Scripture in James is this. That if we keep coming to church week after week after week after week, months at a time, and keep hearing the Word of God over and over again, but fail to internalize it and put it into practice in our own lives, we end up deceiving ourselves. The enemy doesn't deceive us. We deceive ourselves. And the deception looks a little bit like this. Oh, I know what that's about. And we think that because we know what it's about, that somehow it's operational in our lives. But that is far from the truth. That is far from the truth. I could ask most 14, 15, 16-year-olds about driving a car. They could probably tell me exactly how to drive a car. Can they do it? Different story. Very different story. The point is this, that whatever does not lead to change, say that word with me, please. Change. Can we say it again? Change. Whatever does not lead to change in our values and our behavior will ultimately lead to flattery and deception. Did you get that? Whatever does not lead to a change... I need to adapt my thinking and my behavior to the Word of God. I need to change. And whatever I get that doesn't lead to change will ultimately lead to flattery and even deception. And this is the struggle that Paul had with the church in Corinth. And this is what he writes to them, 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1 to 3. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk with you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk to you, I had to talk as though you belonged to this world, or as though you were infants in Christ. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for it. You weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready. For you are still controlled by your sinful nature. In other words, something in them hadn't changed yet. You are jealous of one another, and you quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove that you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? In other words, there's clearly nothing different about you. You are living exactly like the people around you. You have the same responses to the same triggers, whereas you should be different. The writer of the Hebrews says something similar. Hebrews 5, verses 12 to 14. For though by this time you ought to be teachers... You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you've come to need milk and not solid food. Let me just pause here for a moment. What is the difference between milk and solid food? Here is milk. Jesus loves you. 
unconditionally. He died on a cross and shed His blood that you may be forgiven for your sin. Come and receive this wonderful news and salvation by faith, and you will be saved. This is the milk of the Word. It requires nothing from you. It is all of grace. It is all that God has done for you. God loves you. God wants you to be blessed. God wants to heal you. And what it requires of you is just to receive it. Think about a baby, whether it's being nursed at its mother's breast or whether it's being nursed with a bottle as it grows up. It does nothing but receive. And any contribution it makes is a mess. That's what milk does. All you and I have to do is receive milk. But the meat of the Word, it's those parts of the Word that actually begin to deal with our sinful nature, that bring us onto this journey of sanctification where, yes, Jesus loves us. Yes, we are are, are forgiven and set apart. But God requires us now to begin to conform our lives to His likeness, the likeness of denying myself, of taking up my cross and following Him of changing my attitudes, of changing the things that I value. That's where the meat of God's Word begins to to start biting. And sometimes we choke on the bones. For though everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the Word of righteousness, for he is a babe, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And there we have that practicality again. I have taken God's Word. I've, be, I've internalized it. I've applied it. I've allowed it to make the shifts that need to take place in my life. And I am working it out. Imperfectly, but sincerely. Amen? Is God requiring perfection from you? In, the great, in, in some time, I believe... There's a, there's a, Paul speaks of a measure of maturity that we've come to where we are whole, lacking nothing. But what he does require from you and I is sincerity in his presence, sincerity with the Word of God that is allowing it to do its work in our lives. The biggest struggle that most people face concerning the Word of God is their willingness to submit to it and obey, to it, and obey it. It is the matter of the will that man, that old man that does not like to, to yield, that wants its way. And we, we, we don't mind acknowledging what the Word of God says, but somehow, yeah, that was relevant for them. But, but God doesn't understand this situation or this trial that I am in. Because it's deep and it's personal, it's as though no one quite understands the situation I'm in. I've got it harder than anybody else has got it. Oh, you think you understand, you don't understand. Listen, nobody had it harder than Jesus. He understands, and His Word will speak into your situation. So what happens is when we begin doing this, we begin dismissing the Word of God, saying, that doesn't really apply to me in this situation. Yeah, no, look, I know I'm supposed to forgive this person and make right, but no, 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 there's, there's more to it here. Nah, you don't know what they've really done to me. Or this situation, we begin to make excuses. And therefore, we remain unskilled in the application of the Word of God. Listen, I want to tell you folks something. There are many times that I have stepped out in faith 
to only, only to fall on my face. I've gotten it wrong many times. I thought I heard from God and I acted and the results were not what I expected and it was clear. I wasn't hearing from God. And that's okay. Because that means next time I'm going to be even more careful. I'm going to be more discerning. I'm, going to, I'm not going to jump as quickly. I'm going to wait and make sure I've got the timing right. I am going to, this is how we learn. Communication, folks, is something we learn in and grow in. My wife and I have been married for over 15 years. I, she could write me an entire report with, look, just one eyebrow, in fact. I know exactly what she means. Why? Because we've been together so long, that's all she needs to communicate some things with me. It's just the one eyebrow. That's enough. I got the message. But I would have been confused if she had done that to me the first time. I would have had to inquire. I would have had to... And this is what happens in our relationship with God, folks. But unless I put in the time, I'm never going to learn how to follow. I'm never going to learn how to discern His voice. I have to put in the time. Now, despite this, Paul uses very different language. We've spoken about the book to the Hebrews. We've looked at the Corinthians. Let's look at what Paul writes to the church in, F in Philippi. He uses very different language, and he commends them, but yet, despite his commendation, he encourages them to keep on pressing in, not to get comfortable. And this is what he says to them, again from the Amplified Bible, Philippians 2, verse 12. So then, my dear ones, just as you have always obeyed, my instructions with enthusiasm, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation. That is, cultivate it. Bring it to full effect. Actively pursue spiritual maturity with awe-inspired fear and trembling, using serious caution and critical self-evaluation to avoid anything that might offend or discredit the name of Christ. So here we see he's saying, you guys are obeying. You are putting into practice the things I've taught you. Keep on. Keep at it. Don't get comfortable. Don't start camping. Don't think you've got it. Ah, there's been some growth. Ah. You know what they say the greatest enemy is to a company is, is, is success. The greatest enemy of, of, of growth within a business is success because once you get successful, you think, okay, well, we're successful now, that's it. And so you stop innovating and you stop working to, to go further. I want to say it's the same principle with your spiritual development. Would you do me a favor, please? I've just remembered something. In my little prayer room is my old Bible cover. If you could find it, I'd be grateful. When we, look, <coughs> when we look at the Old Testament and we look at the covenant and the promises that God made with His people, we see a pattern. The pattern is this, that if they followed and obeyed the Word of God, not only would they be blessed, but the nations around them would be blessed too. And this is the promise that God made to Abraham, Genesis twenty-two eighteen. He said to them, and, the, and through you or through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you have obeyed me. Did you get that? 
All the earth, all the nations around you are going to be blessed because I'm going to bless you. And this was God's original purpose. Not just to bless them, not just to bless His chosen people, but to bless the whole world through them. And I want to say to you, thank you, sweetheart. Now, I don't want to say to you, thank you, sweetheart. I want to say to you that God's plan hasn't changed. God's plan remains to bless the world around you through you as you obey Him and as you walk in His ways. And this is why Jesus taught us to pray, Lord, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How does that happen? It happens through you and I. It's not going to happen through a politician. Jesus was no politician. He was no statesman. It's going to happen as the people of God obey and walk in the word and the principles of God. But the converse is also true. When Israel did not follow and obey God, then the power and the influence of neighboring nations would assert themselves on Israel, leading to Israel's captivity and to the promises of God being made of no effect. They didn't cancel out the promises of God, but they made them of no effect. The promises were there. The promises existed. They were still in the desire of God's heart for His people. He still desired to see them walking in them, but they came under another influence which rendered those promises of no effect. And I want to say to you that today we face the same captivity in our lives. Not to neighboring nations and their militaries, but rather to the ways and the cultures of this world, to the prevailing values of our society, to the ways of thinking, the ways of acting and behaving and doing things. When our hearts and minds are patterned after the culture and the thought patterns of this world, the promises and the principles of God also become of no effect in our everyday lives. Because they are not of the world. They are not of the flesh. And they cannot be mustered through self-effort. They come to fruition only through faith and obedience. The old hymn, trust and Trust and obey. Pastor Ken Turner once gave me an analogy which has stuck with me all my life. He says, "Trust, uh, sorry, faith and obedience are like the tracks of a railway line. Your faith will never go beyond your level of obedience and your level of obedience will never go beyond your level of faith. What a great way to realize just, or to help us discern truthfully and honestly what the accurate measure of our faith is. The measure of your faith is equal to your measure of obedience, to the word of God that he has given you thus far. And so we're familiar with this verse, but it bears repetition. And again, I've drawn a lot from the Amplified in preparation today because it unpacks some of these familiar scriptures in a beautiful way. Romans 12, 2 says this, Do not be conformed to this world. Do not. Let's just pause there. Let's think about that. How can we not be conformed to this world? We are born into it. The financial systems exist. The ways of, of education are there and plain and evident. Entertainment industry is there. Social media is there. And it is putting forth all kinds of things. And we are seeing it every single day and it's coming in and it is shaping the way that we think and behave. Amen? Are any of us immune to that? You're kidding yourself if you think you are. We're not immune to that. We live within this world, but we are not of the world, as Jesus says. 
And because we are not of this world, Jesus calls us to live as though we were not of this world. And he says, for you. And I want you to realize this morning that includes you and it includes me. Those who are beloved of God, those who call themselves followers of the way, which is what the believers were first called. This new way, this different way. He says this to us. Don't be like the world around you with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed. And there we have that powerful word again, change. Without change, nothing's going to change. It seems self-explanatory, folks. What do they say the height of stupidity is? Doing the same thing repeatedly, expecting a different outcome. You are where you are today because of the decisions you've made and the way you've lived up to this point. You have as much of God and your spiritual growth and, and condition is made up of what you have done up to this point. If you are wanting more of God, if you are wanting to be led by the Spirit, if you are wanting a deeper and a more intimate relationship with God, it's not going to happen by continuing to do what you've done to this point. Something's going to have to change. But be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove, and we have that beautiful word again, prove for yourselves what the will of God is. There's evidence. I am not only going to believe this word, I'm going to apply it and I will prove that it is true because I believe it with all my heart. That's the language of faith, folks. Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I believe it. I receive it. I choose to walk in it and thereby prove that it is true. That is what is good and acceptable and perfect in God's plan and purpose for you. Listen, how many of you like lasagna? Fairly unanimous across the board, right? There's just one problem with making a lasagna. When you sit down around the table, there are some who fight over the crusty bits on the side. And then there are some who don't like the crusty bits, and they want the gooey stuff in the middle. Is this familiar to any of you? Now, once you have sat and enjoyed your lasagna, and you've enjoyed, you've peeled off those crusty bits, what is left? You're left with a pan that has baked in grease and cheese and, and, and meat, and it's been cooked on. And if you want to go and clean that pot or that pan now, what's it going to take? It's going to take elbow grease, and you're going to have to scrub, and you're going to have to scrub, and you're going to have to scrub, and in scrubbing, you're probably going to scratch and damage the pan. So instead of doing that, and instead of having to exert a lot of effort, what do you do? There's a woman who knows the ways. You soak it in warm, soapy water. And then what happens? You, leave it for, you let it soak, you let it sit, drenched, immersed in warm, soapy water. Half an hour is fine. And then you go... And easily it comes off. 
And if there's a little bit more, it's all right. Just soak it a bit longer. And you do it again. And if there's still some stubborn stuff, you take it to your mother-in-law. <laughs> you go get help. You go get help from somebody who knows how to deal with that thing. I want to say to you folks, the same thing is true in your and my life concerning the ways of this world. They've been baked into us. They've been baked in. And if we want to come now and exert a lot of effort to try and change and do everything dramatically all at once, we're going to have to exert a lot of effort for very little gain and in so doing probably hurt and damage ourselves, our relationship with God in the process. I want to read to you a verse of Scripture out of the book of Ephesians. And Paul here in chapter 5 from verse 25 to 27 says this, Husbands, this means love your, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And this is how he did it. He gave his life for her. Why? To make her clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. How do we clean up our hearts and minds? How do we wash? By soaking in the word of God. By spending time immersed and submerged in the Word of God. Because there are some things in your life that are baked in, and they're not just going to come out. You know, there's some dishes you can, if no one's looking, you can just go, lick your finger in, and that little thing comes off no problem. No one has to know. Now you know why no one wants to come to lunch anymore, Helen. Yeah. How does Christ wash and cleanse His church? Through the washing of the Word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or without wrinkle, without blemish, without stains, without baked in grease. Instead, she will be holy and without fault, ready for service. A vessel of honor. A vessel ready for the Lord. But how do we get there, folks? Listen, it doesn't happen overnight. This process of change is a progressive one. There are times where God will speak a word or the Spirit of God will do something in your life and shift things very quickly and dramatically. But by and large, the kind of change that, you and, that needs to happen in your and my life is not what we think, but how we think. It's the place we, we reason from. And it's either going to be reasoning from a place of blessing and faith that sees things from God's perspective and acknowledges His power in the midst of my situation, believing that He is in it and can and will do something in it, or it's going to be a place of weakness and doubt, abiding in the shadows, fearful to step out. Now, why are we fearful? We're fearful because of ways of thinking, of how we reason about God, about ourselves, and about our situation. It's those three things. About God, ourselves, and our situation. And the only way we are going to cleanse our hearts and lives and minds from those things which keep us in that condition is through soaking and spending time in the warm, cleansing water of God's Word. <coughs> when I first came to this church, my life needed some serious cleansing. I mean, vanish, vanish was, wasn't, wasn't, wasn't going to cut it. 
And uh, I'll never forget what Pastor Andreas told me to do. I think it, was, it wasn't in the first meeting we had, but it wasn't long after. He said, Michael, I want you to go and read Psalm 1, and I want you to memorize it, and I want you to meditate on it. <coughs> in other words, let me explain to you what, 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 what meditate means, because we have the wrong idea. Meditate is not sitting with your legs crossed going, um. Meditate means to think over again and again and again. The right analogy would be to think of a cow. A cow does something which it's called, it chews the cud. The cud is the grass that it has eaten and swallowed into its first stomach and then regurgitated and chewed on again and then swallowed and regurgitated and chewed on again. Delightful process. But what that cow is doing, listen, why is it doing that? Why is it that elephants eat so much and hippos eat so much and rhinos? They're always eating. All the herbivores, whenever you look at them. There's a reason. Because it's difficult to get the nutrients out of those, those grasses. They have to be ground down. They have to be pulverized. They have to be exposed to stomach acids and then ground down some more and exposed again to the stomach acids and the digestion process. It's hard work getting the nutrients out of those things. So they have to eat a lot of it. And folks, sometimes it's hard work getting to hear and to truly understand what the Word of God is saying to us. Not because it's hard to get out of there, but because our hearts and minds are dull. And so we need to regurgitate it and go over it again and again and again. And the verse of Scripture that he gave me came out of Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. So he's chewing on it all day long. He's thinking about what God says about the situation. And he says this. This is what he's saying. For 25 years, this is what Abraham was doing. I am old and barren. My wife is old and barren. God says we're going to have a son. Great. God says we're going to have a son, but I am old and barren. And my wife is... And what's happening in this journey is he is bringing into his situation the Word of God, not denying the reality of where he is at, but wrestling with it. You and I need to wrestle with the situations we are in. And in that wrestling, our faith begins to grow its muscles. There came a time when he was fully convinced that God would do according to what he has promised. And as he became fully convinced, he no longer considered his own body, nor Sarah's womb, but considered only the word of God. It took time. It took time for that word to become effective and for them to actually conceive. Amen? It took many nights lying awake, looking at those stars and wondering, how, God? How is this even possible? <coughs> that man who meditates on the Lord day and night and who makes it his delight will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf will not wither and all that he does shall prosper. How many of you want to live in that kind of state? We all do. We want all that we set our hands to to prosper. That doesn't always mean making money, but I set my hand to this relationship and it's going to prosper. 
I set my hand to this task. It's, it's gonna, I'm going to prosper in parenting. I'm going to prosper in raising up good, well-rounded ch- children who love the Lord with all their heart and all their soul and all their mind and all their strength. I'm going to prosper in pursuing the Lord and understanding what is in His Word. You see, we will find our way out of the shadows as we give ourselves to study and to follow and to obey God's Word. And I want to say this to you. I'm not talking about some gifted speaker on YouTube. I'm not talking about the next podcast. I am talking about you alone in your room with the Holy Spirit and your Bible. That's what I'm talking about. Reading it. Working through it. Listening to what Jesus taught. Listening to what Paul taught. And applying that to your life. Finally, the words of Jesus. Mark 4, 24-25 says this, again from the Amplified Bible. Then He said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. By your own standard of measurement, that is, to the extent that you study spiritual truth and apply godly wisdom, it will be measured to you, and you will be given even greater ability to respond. And more will be given to you besides. For whoever has a teachable heart, to him more understanding will be given. And whoever does not have a yearning for truth, even what he has will be taken away from him. Do you recognize that, Dad? This is very old. It's got your handwriting on it, Dad. First of all, it's got, it's got an address here. Fort Victoria, Rhodesia. So that tells you how old this is. Search my words, son, in the light of my Holy Spirit. Call upon him. I can't read the rest. It's so old, it's faded out. You gave it to me. You did. Why am I showing you this? Because my father-in-law, he wasn't my father-in-law at the time. Look at how old this is. Michael, he said to me, as he was discipling me, you need to read your Bible. Have you read your Bible cover to cover? No, Pastor Andreas. I've read some books of the Bible, but you need to discipline yourself and read the Bible. I want to give you something that I used. And you can see there how this man, clearly in the early days of his faith, had this little book which laid out for him so this is January. So for example, today, where are we now? Today is September the 23rd, 24th. 24th of September today on this, you would have read 1 Chronicles chapter 7, Ezekiel chapter 20, and Luke chapter 17. Three chapters would have been the reading for today. And if I had followed this, as Pastor Andreas did, and you can see he's marked off all of the days, I would have read the entire Bible in one year gone through it, gotten context. There are some people who love to read the Bible in great chunks. Siobhan is one of those people. And his thing is just read it. Don't try to understand it all. As you read it, you'll get the broader context, and then it'll start making more sense. And then when you go back and read it again and again and again, you'll drill down on the nuances, and God will begin to speak to you. 
Other people like me, I read through the Bible significantly slower than he does. A few, a few verses, a few, maybe a chapter or two, a little bit at a time, I think about it, I apply it, I wait for the Lord to speak to me through it. There's different ways of doing this. But we are spoiled today. <clears throat> maybe you need something like this. There's, there's people out there that help you understand it. There's a group called The Bible Project who before you jump into a book of the Bible, especially if it's an old prophetic book, go watch one of their videos. They will explain the flow of the book. They will explain who the author is, what the context is, what is trying to be communicated, so that when you go read the book, you do the, with the background that you need to do it. Online, we have websites. One of them is the Bible Gateway. That is what I often use to prepare my sermons. And the reason I use that is because I can pull up the Bible Gateway I can put in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, and I can simultaneously read it from the New King James, the New Living Translation, the Message, the ESV, the Amplified. Those are the ones I usually go with. So, truth, so now you know why I pick different verses from different... Because I'm looking, I know what they say, but what is capturing the theme best of, of, of the way that they're saying it that I'm going for? But on the Bible Project app, you will find that they have the Bible in a year. Perhaps an even more convenient one is that app that so many of us have on our phones these days. Where is my phone? Oh, there it is. version. Who does not have version? We simply call it the Bible app. And if you go into the Bible app, there are so many programs for you. So you just go in there and you go, Plans. And then you go down to reading plans. And there's plans that will help you read through the Bible in a year. Now, what I'm saying to you here is not... There's also things there that will help you deal with certain issues and things. We are spoiled, folks. But there is no substitute, no matter what plan you are following, as getting into the Word of God and spending time in it and allowing this to bring change and to do something in here. I was so blessed last week after Pastor Andreas's message. Somebody phoned me after the service. That's how fast they responded. I was on the way home in my car. They were on the way home in their car. And they said, I've been convicted. I have not been faithful with my quiet times. And the Lord's convicted me this morning. Would you buddy up with me, please? You did this many years ago. Would you please help me make sure that I am awake 5 o'clock in the morning so that I can have my quiet times. I don't want to be negligent here, but I need some accountability. Would you please hold me accountable? You know, that's exactly the same thing my spiritual father did for me. Helping somebody. Not doing it for them, but it's helping them. How many of you, having heard what I've shared today, would say, I believe the Lord wants me to spend more time in the Word? If that's you, I want you to stand with me. Oh, you didn't see that coming. Come on. Stand with me. Here's my question to you today. What are you going to do about it? What is going to change? And I want you to look around the room because I want you to realize you're not alone. The Lord is talking to us. Amen? <coughs> and maybe what you need as your first step is simply the boldness to say, would you buddy with me, please? 
So for example, it could be me coming to Mark and saying, Mark, listen, I want to read through the Bible in a year. Do you want to do that? No, I don't want to do that. Okay, what do you want to read? Ephesians. All right, I want to read Ephesians. It's part of the Bible. We can do that. There's a thing on Bible Gateway on the book of Ephesians. Shall we go through that together? And so now I'm going to be accountable to him. And he's going to, how are we going to do it? Let's set the terms out. Half an hour every morning. 15 minutes every morning. What's it going to be? And I'm going to link arms with somebody and I'm going to say, I'm going to draw strength from you and I'm going to give you strength. Let's go. Come. I know you don't want to go. Come, let's do this. Come on. We can do this together. Say? Half past five. Okay, half past five for you. But we can be such an encouragement to each other. Listen, folks. Look around you. This is nothing to be ashamed of. You could say, oh, well, actually it is. Maybe it is. But here we are. Let's be honest. And say, right, we all need some help here. Who can I buddy up with? Who can I be accountable to? Because I don't want another year to go by. I don't want another month to go by, another week to go by, where I am standing in the same place I was last week, last month, last year spiritually, because I've never been able to put into practice the disciplines that I know I need to. So unless something's going to change, nothing's going to change. My question is, is today the day of change for you? And if so, what are you going to do about it? Take action. Take action. Now, you don't have to find a buddy. Maybe the prompting of the Spirit is enough for you. But I want to encourage you that this is so much more rewarding when you do it together with a brother or a sister. I want to say, by the way, just to be clear, buddy system means men with men, women with women. Otherwise, I'm going to be preaching a different message in a few months, sorting out a whole other problem that I started. So let me just set this straight from the beginning. Folks, the Lord is wooing us into a life beyond what we're experiencing here now. We're not waiting for Him he is waiting for us. Shall we respond and do something about the situation? Our Father God, we've heard you this morning. And we stand in your presence, Lord God, because we know, we know that our hearts have become indifferent to the things of God and to the Word of God. We know that we have taken it for granted. We come and we hear and we hear and we hear, but nothing is changing. And so the first thing we want to say this morning, Father God, is we want to repent we want to say, Lord, forgive us for taking your word so lightly. Forgive us, Father, for treating your word as an optional extra instead of the most valuable and precious thing in the world to us. Lord, you tell us to seek first the kingdom of God and to be in right standing with you. Yet, Lord, our lives are largely consumed with pursuing all the other things. And so we, we come to start this morning by saying, Father, we repent. Forgive us for this, Lord. Help us, even in this moment, as we turn our hearts towards you, as we acknowledge our need for your word to shape what we think and how we think, as we acknowledge, Lord God, that we need to change and that the change required can only come from you by your spirit as your word begins to minister to us. Lord, help us to realize the importance of soaking in your presence of soaking in your word that you may cleanse us from the 
the, the, the ways of this world that just seep into us and, and seem to bake onto us and hold on so tightly. Father, your word has the power to set us free from these things. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.